You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Lake Kick is Live. It is Thursday night, May 13th, a little bit later than usual. I'll touch on that in just a second, but it is the year of our Lord, 2021. We got a jam-packed show. I mean, it was going to be a real shame if we couldn't do the show tonight because it's jam-packed. I have not seen a more Herculean effort to get something off the ground since Tom Hanks basically created fire on that beach out in the Pacific in Castaway. Director Emeritus Collins has been laying on the floor in the studio in the control room for about 30 minutes unhooking wires. Our girl Meredith's been on the phone. Jesse and crew have been in Connecticut trying to make things happen. And the net result of that, as I just sat there and watched the whole time, is we have a show right here live for you. So thank you for your patience. If you're listening to the replay, ignore everything I just said. It means nothing to you. But we got a loaded show tonight. Hey, week one, I know that right now it's, what did I say about 15 seconds ago? It's May 13th. And I know that it's a little ways away. But since we don't believe in the off season around here, week one, I was looking at that yesterday. It is loaded. I know there's not a lot of number one versus number four and number six versus number three. There are a couple of those. But man, like we're not a believer around here that everything just revolves around the playoff. There are going to be some playoff implications in week one, but there's just going to be some huge games in week one for several different reasons. I'm going to touch on that tonight. Also, Tennessee fans are angry, which is not in and of itself a revolutionary new headline or anything like that. But I think they have a little bit of reason to be. And I'll give you the latest reason why. And so we're going to dive down that rabbit hole. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. The Big 12. I want to ask you something. A lot of talk about the Pac-12 today. They got themselves a new commissioner. But what about the Big 12? What is it? What's Big 12 football? I don't think the answer is what you think it is. I think things may be changing out there. And uh, we'll give you a little reason why I believe that. Also, I tweeted this out the other day. Got a lot of feedback on it. So I'm going to go a little bit further down the road tonight of, if you elect me, college football commissioner. And that would require you to be able to vote on it. But if in this hypothetical world I was, I got a new way we need to do this calendar. And the college football calendar, much like our show, could just be year-round. You don't have to have these chunks of 30 and 60 days and 90 days within activity. So we're going to put that all out there tonight. Remember, follow that Instagram account and follow that Twitter account, at LateKickJosh. I decided I want to be at 10,000. By the time we open fall camp, I want that Instagram account to be at 10,000. Now, if you want to do it by the end of the week, that's fine, too. But I just started on there. We're putting some stuff on there. What you see on there now pales in comparison to what will be on there in just a couple of months. Believe you me. So let's get this thing started tonight because, man, um, we got a pretty good show for you, I think. Week one in college football in 2021 is jam-packed. 2021 is going to be an incredible season. Now, I'm going to do more on this down the road. I think it's going to be a renaissance season in college football. i got several reasons why I believe that. So let's table that thought. Just bookmark it. But what you'll have in week one is a perfect microcosm of what you guys really didn't get to have a whole lot of last year. When people ask you, what do you love so much about college football? Everyone has their own unique answer, but it's some form of tradition, pageantry. I always emphasize the urgency because every single week matters. You can't be afforded to lose a whole bunch of games, but also you love the environments and you just didn't get some of that last year. And now we see state after state after state giving you every reason to think that you're going to have some full stadiums and you're going to have things returning to as close to normalcy as we've seen in the better part of two years around here. 
And so I think for that reason, among several others, you're going to have so much stuff delivered to you this year that you have always claimed to have loved about college football. And since you've been missing it for a little while, it may mean a little bit more. It may even bring a tear to the eye. But I'll tell you, you don't have to wait. It's going to be in week one. Week one is really loaded. Our philosophy all the while around here, as we tee this up in a second, is to remind you, we are not a show. Late Kick has never been, nor will it ever be a show that looks at a game and says, all right, like, for example, Indiana versus Iowa. Do I think either of those teams are going to make the playoff? If the answer is no, push it off to the side. Doesn't matter. We don't do that around here. We don't do the projected playoff rankings after week one. We just don't bother with that foolishness. If you're into that, that's fine. There are a lot of places you can go for that. Around here, we don't revolve our content plan around the postseason. It is regular season. That's what we care about around here. With that in mind, I want to tell you how loaded this week one is, and it's not just one day. Saturday is going to be great, but man, Jesse's been making this graphic all day. I think he had to uh, do some of it by hand. Man, this is a lot to this is a lot to process. I want to tell you what you're about to be served up. It's going to be on a platter for you starting on Thursday night, and it's going to stretch all the way to Monday. So this is that Labor Day weekend. This is when college football kicks off. Thursday night, it starts with Ohio State at Minnesota. First time you've seen Ohio State, obviously, since their loss in the national title game. Probably going to see C.J. Stroud at quarterback. You get to see that wide receiver core. First look at that defense, by the way. That's really what I'm focused on, to be honest with you, more so than anything. And also, you know, Minnesota is going to be overlooked here. I think Alabama versus Miami, that's another example of Miami team. Going to be solid. You know, Miami and Minnesota are solid programs. They'll be double-digit underdogs in these games, though. So I wonder twofold about those games as we start this preview off. I wonder, can they put up a fight? And even if the answer is no, are we going to have so much intrinsic betting value baked into those teams after you see them in week one because they get maybe defeated soundly by superior teams and they're made to look a little bit worse than they are? So that Thursday, that's going to be cool. This Friday game is serious because North Carolina is going to be mentioned on the fringes of the playoff. And if they can't be, then it's going to be because Clemson's in their way. But none of it's going to have anything to do with Virginia Tech. However, that's where they're going to start the season. And if you have a full house in Blacksburg, Virginia again, and we're talking, as we will probably for about the next three or four months, about what we think we know about Virginia Tech and we think we know about North Carolina. Well, what you're talking about with North Carolina is going to be a whole lot of, I think they may be the second best team in the ACC. I think Sam Howell may be this. I think this offense may be that. It's always trust but verify, especially in college football. So you build up your entire offseason, preview magazine season comes, media days, fall camp, but then that week one comes. Remember Iowa State, we thought they were good last year. They were. Didn't help them against Louisiana in week one. And that, that environment right there on the road in Blacksburg, Virginia, man, it's even if you don't think Virginia Tech's going to be good, the thing about playing teams early in the year is you can fool people. You can fool players into thinking they're good in week one. Virginia Tech may end up a 6-6 six and six team. You're going to get a fight from them like they're a 12-0 perennial title contender in week one. I have not gotten you to Saturday yet. Those are just the first two games. Then comes Saturday, and it's going to start at noon Eastern time, and it's not going to stop until very late. How about that Indiana at Iowa game? I know you may not be used to this concept yet, but Indiana's a top 20 team. Will be this year. Was last year. Iowa, top 20 team. Will be, I think, this year. Spencer Petras, as we have talked about, a lot's on his shoulders at quarterback. But this will, I think, be the most underrated game out of this entire week one slate. You mark my words. 
It's going to be a lot of talk about Georgia Clemson. We'll get to them in just a second. What's Bama going to look like? What's Ohio State going to look like? Uh, you got Notre Dame, Florida State. We're going to talk about in just a second. But this game right here, this is the one that when you're talking about who's there down the stretch that maybe you didn't expect at the beginning of the season, well, one of these teams is going to be a prime candidate. You may expect Indiana this year, maybe you don't, but this is going to be a really, really good game. You've also got a bigger magnitude game, I think, bigger brands combined in the Big Ten in that Penn State-Wisconsin game. I mean, that one's really good, too. Penn State had a disastrous 2020, and I thought Wisconsin had one, too, but see, Wisconsin was well on their way, and then a lot of stuff derailed them, too, Uh, part injury, part covid And the thing about it is, these are two really good teams that may be overlooked going into the year for different reasons, too. I'm extremely excited to look at Wisconsin's offense in this game. And for that matter, Penn State's, too. Uh, Finally, you had a spring with a new offensive coordinator, Mike Yurcich, formerly Tom Yurcich on this show. Mike Yurcich, you get to see the Penn State defense. What are we looking like at linebacker there? Have we found some adequate pieces? And Louisiana at Texas, the aforementioned Billy Napier still led Louisiana team heading to Texas. Everyone remembers week one last year. And you got a new coach at Texas because the previous staff didn't get it done. And unlike last year, where I think Louisiana was a two touchdown underdog, it was somewhere between 10 and 14 points. This will be looked at, it is now, and will be looked at from now until this game kicks off as a game where... I mean, you have no business being a double-digit dog. I don't know where that line will open, but it won't be all that fat. And so this will be looked at, as it should, as a competitive game that Louisiana has a distinct possibility of winning. Uh, It's also going to be looked at as a game that Texas should win. It's one of those. So that one's going to be really fun, too. Uh, I think I don't know that that one's going to be under the radar. It's Sark's first game. It's Texas. And also, Louisiana, they've made their mark. So I don't think that one's going to be all that underrated. There are three big boys featuring SEC teams here that I wanted to touch on. Bama-Miami. This is the first time we get to see what I think will be an ultra-improved Alabama defense. I'm not going to go as far as to say it's ever going to be strength of their team again, uh, but I think Bama's defense is going to be really good. Talking to someone the other day that saw every one of their scrimmages, there aren't many of those people walking planet Earth this spring, and uh, yeah, they're very suffice it to say they're very excited about that defense. But we also get to see Bryce Young for the first time, and for that matter, Derek King. They believe at Miami he's going to be ready to go in Week One. So we'll get to see, you know, for better or for worse, we'll get to see how how many strides that Miami offense has made. Georgia Clemson is the biggest game of the weekend. Georgia Clemson is going to be one of the biggest games of the year. These are two top five teams, regardless of what poll you look at. I'm sure the JP poll will have both of them top five too. I don't really need to do much to build the marquee for this one, but I am extremely interested if Clemson were to lose this game, if Clemson were to drop this game, I think they're going to open as a slight favorite. We'll see how that happens. We've still got a while, but if they were to lose this game, it's going to depend a lot, obviously, on how competitive the loss looks, if it's 27-24 versus 31-13, but if Clemson were to lose this game, I'm interested to hear what the talking point will be sort of nationally. We exist in our own little bubble over here, but the rest of the national cats wonder if they are willing to. Is Does anyone have a set on them enough to walk in and say, you know, we've in the past said that UCF can't have a shot. Cincinnati can't have a shot. I've been one of them, by the way. But we've said they can't have a shot because they don't have a strong enough schedule. Well, I'm looking at Clemson's schedule the rest of the way. They needed this one. Otherwise, they're going to need a lot of help from the ACC. Someone's going to have to emerge, maybe a couple of teams that we didn't see coming. Otherwise, I don't know that Clemson can get fat enough on this schedule. I just wonder 
if that would be a talking point. Now, if Clemson wins, no big deal. Now, my actual belief here is even if they lose, if they run the table rest of the way, win the conference, they'll be in. Just interested to hear the talking point. LSU at UCLA, I would imagine, is going to be a later game. Here's the thing about this. This is technically week one. Director Emeritus Colin, I don't know if you and I talked about this. You know, LSU opens at UCLA. He had to correct me on this the other day. I sat out here and said, who do they play? Who do they play? And Colin had to come in my ear and say, UCLA. LSU's first game is against UCLA. UCLA's first game is not against LSU. This is one of those let's schedule Hawaii in week zero ordeals. So UCLA will already have a game under their belt. And they get LSU at home. I don't know what in the world LSU is going to look like. Right now, we don't know who in the world is going to start at quarterback for LSU. I think uh, the slight betting favorite has shifted. You know, I would even go as far as to say amongst Tiger fans, and I've spoken to him a lot this week for different reasons, I would even venture to say you'd probably find more Max Johnson money down there right now than Miles Brennan. I don't know if that extends to the coaching room, but nevertheless, that's not settled. So that one's going to be ultra intriguing. And also, we extend to Sunday. Because you've got that standalone pre-Labor Day, Labor Day Eve game. And this one's going to be Notre Dame against Florida State. Now, this is Mike Norvell's second year in Tallahassee. Mackenzie Milton is one of our spotlight players. We're paying as close attention to him as we are, well, I won't say any player. We, he's one of our 10 most focused on players. And there are a lot of players out there. But I want to ask this simple question that we have plenty of time to dive into over the course of the next couple of months. Who do you think will have the quarterback edge? In this particular game, Jack Cohn's coming in. He's like 35 years old, and multi-year starter at Wisconsin comes in, and he is the starter now at Notre Dame. He's established. You've seen him before. You know what he has. You've also seen Mackenzie Milton at a prior stop at UCF. The difference is he's coming off major reconstructive knee surgery, and there's a lot of question mark around him. If the question marks are answered, I don't know that Florida State may not end up having the quarterback edge in that game. Now, it's four quarters, so who in the world knows how that plays out, even if you do have a quarterback edge. But uh, you want to talk about reverse engineering. Remember week one last year? That's when Georgia Tech went down there and beat Florida State. What if Florida State turns things all the way around and they top Notre Dame in Dilt Campbell Stadium to start 2021? That'd be interesting. It's still not over. Because then you go to Labor Day and you're out on the lake and you eat copious amounts of hot dogs. And who in the world knows what else you guys are ingesting, knowing our audience? But when you're done with all that, you go in, and I know World Wrestling Entertainment owns the rights to Monday Night Raw, but if they didn't, could I not call Lane Kiffin being in Atlanta, Georgia, primetime standalone game on a Monday night, could we not call that Monday Night Raw? Yeah, I think I'll call it that anyway. I probably just won't get the licensing. i probably get slapped on the wrist for it. Ole Miss against Louisville on a Monday. Again, standalone. Beautiful words in our business. Standalone game. And then, and only then, will we be able to put a bow on week one of college football. Think about what you've learned already. You've been able to see Bama. You've been able to see Ohio State against very competitive teams. You've seen probably a knockdown, dragout fight between Clemson and Georgia. You've gotten to see a couple, you've gotten to see really four of the other contenders in the Big Ten, Penn State, Wisconsin, Indiana, Iowa. Sark and Texas have to walk a tightrope against Billy Napier and Louisiana, You've got all that, and you get to find out if LSU is going to be back to any kind of 2019 form or anywhere close to it, and you don't even have to wait to Saturday for it to start. So North Carolina at Virginia Tech, I think, is a sleeper game. There is so much to love about week one. 2021 in college football, just start it now. It's going to be a renaissance year, and it's not one of those deals where you'll have to wait until like week seven to see, does it feel normal? Does it feel... 
think you'll be back to normal after week one. I want to talk to you as I reset our computer screen here. I want to talk to you guys at Tennessee and everyone, because everyone's dealt with this. No one, even Alabama fans, your program has not just always been flying at 42,000 foot cruising altitude and you're looking down over the rest of the sport. Colin, here's your in cut right here. Tennessee fans have been angry as of late. Now, Tennessee fans have been angry over the years for several different reasons. I've largely had their back. I think that since you invest to the degree you do, you have the right to get a little angry, get a little aggravated about the state of the program, which has been nothing to write home about for several years now. But I was perusing, you know how rarely I use that word, I was perusing the Vols 24-7 board two days ago, or maybe yesterday, and I came across a thread about Henry Toa Toa. Now, we've already talked about him on Late Kick. He was the big-time linebacker transfer, went from Tennessee to Alabama. That happened last week. So this is not a Henry T segment, although it inspired it. So there was a couple, there were a couple people on there, really. There were several people. It was started by one person. There was a thread on the board, and a guy was just expressing complete and utter disgust that Henry had left and that a lot of Tennessee players had wished him so well, and they had patted him on the back and shaken his hand and saluted him and done everything but pack his bags for him on the way out the door, and he had gone to Alabama. Okay, And this guy is very, very aggravated about it, if not just outright pissed about it. And I got it. A lot of people didn't get it. So there was about a five or six page deep thread on the message board there. And there were people on one corner saying, this is our big rival, man. Like Alabama, this stuff used to mean something. What happened to the rest? Why aren't all of you aggravated by this? But then there was another side saying, if you're getting bent out of shape about where a kid's transferring, then you got a problem. You got a heart problem there, buddy. It's not all that serious. It's just college football. Well, that really summed up the two points of view there. I'm falling somewhere on this that I don't think a lot of you would expect me to fall. Because i got to ask you, so you know, let me get your opinion on it. I, I like talking this stuff through with you. What do you think's okay? What's okay to be angry about? Not in life. Well, maybe in life. But zoom it in. Just college football. What's okay to be angry? I mean, if you order tickets and they don't get sent to you, you'd be angry. You wasted a lot of money. Okay, well, if your wife looks at you and says, it's just football, that doesn't make you feel any better. All right, but that's personal to you. So I guess it all depends on how invested you are into your program. You've seen me talk about this from varying degrees and angles a few times on here. There are some people out there in our, in our ecosystem, the college football media sphere, that really like to denigrate passionate fans. And they like to dunk on you. And they like to look down their nose at you, even though you're the reason they get to draw a paycheck to do what we do for a living. I've never done that. I appreciate passion. I would much rather someone be one step too far than five steps short of being passionate and rabid, basically the way it feels like it used to be. It's not always good for things to be the way they used to be. But there are some aspects of this sport I wish I could hit the rewind button on about 15 or 20 years. And one of them is the way that this rivalry, the particular one we're talking about here, this Tennessee-Bama rivalry, the way it feels. Because it don't feel now the way it used to feel. And based on where I was raised, it doesn't feel the way that it should feel. I'm a believer competitive hatred is fine. There ain't nothing wrong with competitive hatred. As long as you don't go full Harvey Updike and start poisoning trees, that's that five or ten steps too far I'm talking about. We're not going Updike mode, okay? So put the squash on Updike protocol. Find wherever that button is and just dewire it. We don't want that. But it's okay to hate your rival in a competitive sense. Not hating the people, hating the rival in a competitive sense. And some older Tennessee fans feel that. Some of the younger Tennessee fans don't even know. You don't even know to hate Alabama competitively, of course. So you don't have to go into updike mode is what I'm telling you. 
but it should get under your skin, to put a finer point on it, that your players from Knoxville look in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and not only do they get attracted by what's down there, they go down there, and there's really no hang-up. It's just kind of, oh, well, very little resistance. In fact, a lot of people, it feels like you got a tailwind. They're kind of pushing you down there. Did everything, like I said, but pack your bags. And there seems to be a misinterpretation of the source of anger here. Tennessee fans, most of them, aren't angry at the individual. They're not angry at Henry Toa Toa. Maybe some are. But I think the real anger is steeped in the fact that this whole thing's going down, and there's so little pushback. There's so little anger or resentment towards it. And the problem is, if you're a true freshman right now, you could barely walk or talk the last time Tennessee beat Alabama. And what that's done is it's warped the perspective. This used to be a hellacious rivalry. It used to be one of, if not the very biggest rivalries, the third Saturday in October in the SEC. If you're of a certain age, when you grew up, that was it. It wasn't the Iron Bowl. It wasn't Tennessee, Florida. It was Tennessee, Alabama. A lot of good literature out there on it. But the problem is, if you're 17, you probably hadn't read it, and you're not living it. And so you got some kids up at Tennessee that look at it and say, well, he transferred to Alabama, so what? I mean, how's that any different than transferring to Georgia or Auburn? It's a big difference. The problem that a lot of Tennessee fans have, and the reason they're so up in arms and aggravated about this, is because everyone's not echoing the same sentiment they are when they're looking around and saying, it's not that he transferred. It's not that there are well-wishers. It's that it's Alabama. That's what we're angry about. Why in the world aren't the rest of you feeling like this? That's what's got a lot of Tennessee fans aggravated. And for my money, I don't have a single problem with it. As long as you don't go harassment mode, as long as you don't really, really go too far, as long as you don't start hitting the kid up on Twitter, I don't care if you're angry about that. I mean, if you're sitting in Franklin or or Johnson City or Knoxville or Memphis or wherever you are tonight, and you're looking at this saying, dude, this is really rubbing me the wrong way. Well, you know what? You write your check every year, don't you? You pay for your season tickets every year. You buy the merchandise. You invest. You send your donor checks. You're invested. When you're invested, you care. You got financial attachment, but you also have emotional attachment to the program. You got every right to be angry about it. And if anyone looks at you and says, oh, you shouldn't feel that way, that's fine. To each his and her own. But man, that, 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 there's a term. I'm going to use the acronym. Tennessee fans will know what I'm talking about. There's an acronym that floats around Vol Nation. It's called um, BVS. For those of you who are Tennessee fans, you know what it stands for. I want to walk a thin line here. I'm not going to tell you what the acronym stands for, but let me just uh, safely say it is metaphorically symbolic of the kind of person that has been beaten down so long, they just curl up in the fetal position and they just take it. And that exists. It's real. It can creep into a fan base. And when it does, it takes a long time. It's kind of like they train elephants in the circus. I learned about this one time. Director Meredith Collin, I don't think we talked about this. Not much circus talk around here. I always wondered when I saw those circus elephants, how are they so well behaved? Well, what they do is they just tie those elephants up in the formative years of their lives to the point where they get trained. They're sort of institutionalized to live in that little radius that they're allowed to go based on how long the rope is. And the thing about it is you can cut that rope once that elephant's a certain age and it won't run away. It doesn't go anywhere because it has been trained. It's ingrained in his mind and her mind. Oh, I'm, I can't go any further than there. And that's kind of what that BVS does to a lot of you. You look at Alabama and you just assume it's supposed to be that way. You look at Henry Toa Toa walking out of Tusca or walking out of Knoxville on the way to Tuscaloosa, you assume, well, yeah, who wouldn't? You know, who wouldn't? Well, don't let General Nealon hear you saying that. And in the better years, don't let Phil Fulmer hear you saying that for that matter. I really hope this changes because you want to talk about the health of a sport. 
I don't think it's good uh, for. I don't think it's good for one side of the best rivalry or one of the best rivalries in the history of the SEC to be running off at this point. What is it? A, about a decade and a half's winning streak. Saban didn't even lose to Tennessee in the year they lost to Louisiana Monroe. It's got to change. It's got to change. Josh Heupel, it's on you, brother. That's all you have to do. You have to reverse a trend against the greatest superpower the sport has ever seen. Other than that, things should be pretty easy for you there in Knoxville. Colin, I got worked up for you, man. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What is Big 12 football to you? What does it mean? Does it mean the same thing today as it meant 5, 10, 15 years ago? I would argue no. I think the answer is changing to that question. Bookmark that point. And I want to emphasize something that we talked about originally I think a couple to three months ago, and when I said it's a really big inflection point for the Big 12, it's an important time, and I think this applies more broadly than just Big 12 fans. What I'm about to say probably impacts you if you're a fan of a team in the ACC, all the power conferences, really. And I want you to listen to the context, and you'll see what I mean. Coaches know it. Coaches know what's happening in the Big 12 right now. I think maybe the public perception is going to be slow to come around. But man, I was really glad I heard what I heard this week. Uh, And I'll mention it in just a second, because there was a coach in the Big 12 that so perfectly encapsulated what's actually happening out here. What used to be Big 12 football is now college football. You think about that sentence. What used to be Big 12 football is a fireworks show, right? You fast forward 10 years and the unthinkable has happened. You've got the University of Alabama winning a title. That's not unheard of. What's unheard of is in the process of doing it, they got a quarterback and a wide receiver fighting over the Heisman Trophy. Who in the world would have ever seen that coming a decade ago? I mean, think about the Big 12 had a unique brand of football. Now that's everywhere. Big 12 football, what it used to be, that's now college football. So the question becomes, what's the next move for the Big 12 to stay ahead of the proverbial curve there? They don't have the advantage of having a ton of four- and five-star talent in their backyard in Manhattan, Kansas, and in Stillwater, Oklahoma. You know, even, even, even the, some of the schools like TCU and Baylor in Texas, they don't get their choice of the top crop of talent in the state of Texas. But that forced them to innovate, and it forced them to adapt. They started doing it, well, uh, quite a while ago. And, you know, as shocking as it may sound, it took a lot of the sport a little while to realize the way they do it would work here. Because there was a long time where people thought otherwise. So Chris Hummer, one of our really good national guys, got Dave Aranda, the head coach at Baylor, former LSU defensive coordinator, got him for a good interview. Uh, Trey Scott's, I don't know, he's on some island probably out of the country, just got married, so congratulations, Trey. But he hosts the College Football Daily podcast. 
Hummer filled in for him one day this week, and he had Dave Aranda on, and they had a wide-ranging interview. But I thought one of the best answers Dave Aranda gave was in response to a question about what Big 12 football is. And Hummer just kind of tossed it up to him. Here's the softball. You take it wherever you want to go. What is Big 12 football now? And man, Dave Aranda so perfectly encapsulated and in a lot of ways I thought validated a segment that we did a couple of months ago. Here are some of the ways that Dave Aranda described what he thinks Big 12 football is now. Majority 12 personnel. One running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. Uh, He specifically made a point to emphasize that Leopold, coming from Buffalo to Kansas, will only further uh, that development. Uh, Wide zone league, max protection league, two and three man route concepts are the norm there now. A whole explanation also in that podcast about how multiple defenses have to be and how innovative they have to be to be able to stop the run out there with a lot of guys that aren't 6'4", 320 pounds coming out of high school as defensive tackles. They got to get really creative. They don't get to lean on a lot of developed athletes. They got to do the developing in some cases. You got a kid that goes to LSU, they just grow them down there like that, okay? They don't grow them like that in Lawrence, Kansas. It just doesn't work that way. But they find a way to get it done. They just have to innovate a lot more. But here's the most interesting question to me. Okay, so now that the rest of college football looks a lot like the Big 12 did a decade, decade and a half ago. Well, now the Big 12 starts to look a little bit more, and there are differences here, but but from a 50,000 point of view, they look a whole lot like maybe schools did before they adjusted and looked like the Big 12. That's a lot of word salad, but what I'm asking you now is this. Once upon a time, schools in the SEC looked at the Big 12 and they laughed at them. They called it basketball on grass. They said, That stuff works out there. It would never fly down here because of hashtag SEC defense. And then everyone in the SEC started doing what folks in the Big 12 used to do. But during that time, whether it be Mike Leach at Texas Tech or whoever, there were a lot of Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. When they started to light up the Big 12, schools down here would have job openings. And they'd look out there and they'd look right over the Big 12. Because there was a perception, right or wrong, I think history has judged it, But right or wrong, they'd look and say, that style wouldn't work down here. So even though the stats look good and the record looks good, we're not going there, okay? That's a no-no. So if you want to look west, that's fine. Look all the way out to the west coast. Maybe they got someone out there that we could go and get and be viable. Remember when we did it with Urban Meyer, for example. Got him at Utah. He came down here. He was good. But people thought, oh, Big 12 coaches wouldn't work. Well, that insulated some of those guys. So they stayed out there a little bit longer than you typically would if you were having that kind of parallel success at another program, doing it a different way. Well, now I wonder this. I was talking to Hummer about this right before we started the show. I almost wonder if now you could have the same kind of insulation in the Big 12, but for the totally inverse reason. Now everyone wants to be wide open. I mean, look, if you were to have a job opening at LSU today, what kind of offense would you be looking to run? If you had a job opening at Florida, what kind of offense would you be looking to run? If you were to get a head coach in there and have his introductory press conference, in other words, do you want to be here? Are you looking for a head coach to come in and talk about how much max protect they're going to be running? How much 12 personnel they're going to be running? That doesn't sound like the press conferences down here these days. Everyone's wide open. Everyone's spreading it out. Everyone's putting athletes in space. And so I almost wonder if these coaches are having success out there, I almost wonder if you get looked over again, but for the total inverse reason, and it's to the net benefit of the Big 12 because you get to incubate some coaches out there and you don't constantly have to worry about them getting plucked. I know that that's going to be very much a case-by-case situation, but I'm just kind of interested because I don't know the answer to that. It could be a total moot point or it could be valid and in two years you're looking around saying, wow, I tripped up and got a point right there. 
So keep an eye on that. But the Big 12, man, it's changing. Times are changing in the Big 12. Dave Miranda's right about that. He must have watched the show. I don't know. I asked the other day, not rhetorically because I put an idea out there. I asked, what do you think the perfect college football calendar is? I'd love to be the commissioner of college football. I'd take the job. I think I could do it maybe after hours and still keep um, Late Kick on air here. But I said on Twitter the other day, at Late Kick Josh, one of my first acts, if I were college football commissioner, is I would, well, I'd try and do a buyback program for all the TV contracts. And I'd buy them all back so that I could just completely restructure the way TV deals work. But that's going to be tough. I'll admit, could be one day, could be two days before I get that done. But in the meantime... I want a completely revolutionized college football calendar. You know, one of the things that rubs us the wrong way on late kick is when college football fans, usually in an argument about expanding the playoff, talk about how the NFL does it. Well, the NFL does it like this. And why don't we do it like this? Well, because college football is not pro sports. That's why. Period. That's normally where that should end. But then you got to get into the context. But my point is, I really can't stand 98% of the time when someone says college football needs to do it the way the NFL does. But there is one or two areas and this one in particular, where I think the NFL gets it right. The NFL understood a while back that they did not have to compartmentalize themselves. They didn't have to acknowledge NBA season or baseball season. They were the behemoth, okay? They're the 500-pound gorilla. Everyone else has to get out of their way. They're the freight train. And so the NFL figured, just like we do with this show, our philosophy is we have no off-season. The NFL doesn't have to have an off-season. They can just go year-round. They can expand their calendar and go year-round. You don't play a game every week, but that doesn't matter because fans are interested in the sport, not just the games that are played, but everything that revolves around it. So you are not a planet. You are your own solar system. So whether it be the draft or the season or mini camps or free agency, everything is revolving around that Death Star or the sun, I guess, in this case, that says NFL, that shield. Well, in college football, I could do the same. So I told Jesse, Jesse, crank up the graphics machine. Because I want to put together our perfect calendar. Keep in mind, I have been elected college football commissioner. I have no staff. So it's just going to be me. I sit in a room. I have sandwiches brought to me. And in the meantime, I work on things like this. I want to change the calendar to where we have events year-round. Here is how, in an ideal world, let me print out my trusty graphic here. In an ideal world, here's how this goes. Let's start in January. You know, we got the playoffs there. And we got the national championship game. January is a really good month. Of course, you have recruiting extending into February. And then you got the second signing period. You may call it the late signing period now at the beginning of February. But also, here's the first event that I'm going to add. You know, I've been a longtime advocate for allowing schools to schedule other schools for their spring games. If you want to, you don't have to. But if you want to, instead of playing an FCS team in the fall, You can schedule them. We'll get you a TV partner. You can pay them their $700,000. They can come in. You can have an actual game that fans would be infinitely more excited to watch than just a good-on-good scrimmage. And I'm going to announce who's playing who, or whomst is playing whomst, during February, right before March. When we get to March, I got an even bigger announcement for you. I am going to totally do away with the practice of announcing schedules 17 years in advance or seven years in advance, or even seven months in advance. I'm going to know your schedule, but the rest of you are not, okay? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to announce your conference opponents and the dates right before your league opens spring practice. And all of you in any given league are opening spring at the same time. So in the ACC, 
Clemson Tiger fan, you're going to find out which conference opponents you're playing and when you're going to play them, and then you go into spring practice. Take your time, go through spring, keep up with the players, keep up with the first and second scrimmage like you normally would. Then maybe you're about to play Citadel, whoever it may be, in the spring game, and then you wrap up spring. Okay. Then if you're a Mississippi State fan, after you play the spring game, then you come out and guess what I'm doing the next week, right before you go into off-season mode. I am announcing you're out of conference. This is where it really gets good. We're not scheduling teams 10 years in advance anymore. We're going to announce your conference opponents, and we're going to do it with league and TV partnerships, and I'm taking it somewhat out of your hands. I'm sure I'll get no pushback on this from the league. I am announcing you're out of conference opponents after spring. You're not going to know your whole schedule until after spring practice. Now, the pushback will be, oh, you can't do it that way. Why? Because it's never been done that way. Coaches are the ones who are going to have the main pushback. And the coaches are going to have the pushback because they like to practice during spring on early installs for teams. Tough is all I can tell you. Okay, We had Brigham Young and Coastal Carolina schedule a game in a week last year, and it worked out okay. So I'm not going to listen to you with that army of off-field analysts you have telling me, we just, it's... Oh, I mean, I'm looking at this. April, we would only have May, June, July, and August to get ready for that out-of-conference game in week one. No, 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 no. I'm not listening to that. Anyone who can't get ready for a football game in four months doesn't belong in the category making the kind of salaries that you guys are. So don't give me the pushback on that. But it even gets better. So then we go into May and June. That's where we are right now. Now, the transfer portal right now is kind of year-round. I want to put not a, not a closure on it whatsoever, But I'm going to put a moratorium on it during spring. And then it opens back up, and we have the second wave season, as I like to call it. may market that. Maybe like a water park or something. I don't know. But we'll have transfer portal openings, and it's recruiting season right now. So May and June, and this is kind of naturally happening. It's organic. I don't have to do it. That takes care of May and June. Now, if you're looking for a down period, this will be it. Now, I'm open to suggestions if you guys want to put another event here. But in the meantime, we're looking ahead to media day. Media Day is in July, and those would be various weeks for various conferences. And then guess what happens in August? Camp's open. Does it really feel like you just had an off-season? No, because you didn't. We're doing away with it. Okay, we've already done away with it on Late Kick. It's working fine. We had incredible viewership the other night because you guys have fully bought into that philosophy that it doesn't exist. And so you're watching the shows like you would during the season. So thank you for that. But then we go into September, October, November, December, normal football season, December, of course, you have conference title games. Then you have the playoff selection process. Then you have the early signing date. And then you have bowl season. That should be the college football schedule. That's my entire calendar. That's the way we're going to do it. Not if, but dare I say, when I ride a wave of you guys' momentum and support to conference commissioner and really college football commissioner status. Uh, I would really like feedback on that, though, because here's what it looks like. And I want to know... Is there anything you take away or, and this is maybe what I'm more interested in because I'm kind of set on the uh, schedule, guys, but I do want to know, are there any other events? What should be public? What should exist that doesn't exist right now? Do you think there's a flaw in not releasing a team's schedule until right around their spring practice for that year? I think it can be done, and I think it would be very exciting. I mean, think about what kind of event that is. I really undersold that. If you're a, I mean, if you're a Tennessee football fan, or if you're, let's say, a North Carolina football fan, USC fan, can you imagine, I wonder if we're going to play Oregon this year. I wonder who we're going to have out of conference. It could be UNLV in week one. It could be Alabama in week one. 
I don't know. Do you know? Oh, I hadn't heard anything either. Well, my cousin works in the scheduling department, but they hadn't made the graphics yet. That'd be a really, really fun event. So that's my perfect calendar there. I am open to suggestions. I always want to put it out there. Open to suggestions. All right, I wanted to close. Uh, well, we're not closing because I got one more point to make. Um, it's very important. We added it like uh, an hour or less before the show started. It was a huge day in the state of Arkansas. It's a huge day for the University of Arkansas. It wasn't huge because they unveiled their new name, image, and likeness plan, and it's a good one. And it was a good day for that, but not just because of that. It wasn't a big day because they changed the futures of many student-athletes' lives. It wasn't just a big day because of that. They changed the future of their program, too, for that matter. It wasn't a big day just because of that. No, Arkansas had the good sense to, like many a program before them, put our show in the hype video release for this new venture, Let's take a look, and then I'll talk on the other side. Now, those numbers matter more than ever. Name, image, and likeness. You need to view this as an opportunity. We are the flagship university of the state. This is the flagship program for our student-athletes. Hat tip, University of Arkansas, official friends of the program now. I don't know how much plainer I can put it. We do play favorites around here. Most people do. They lie about it. We don't lie. We don't cover it up. We don't hide it. We play favorites. South Carolina put us in their hype video, played us in the stadium during the spring game a couple of weeks ago. Friends of the program. Pig, they put us in their promotional video for name, image, and likeness release. Friend of the program. Just like that. Don't let them be the last. Don't Because there's going to be a cutoff at some point. At some point, the room's going to get full. But it's not full yet. There is room for not all, but there are room for more. So we play favorites here, yes. But did you notice something in that video there that Jesse just played? Good old-fashioned sot in the industry. He played that video, and yeah, it was great that we were in there. But on a much more serious note, I've mentioned Arkansas. When I've hypothetically talked about name, image, and likeness, you guys have heard me do this before. Uh, there are a few schools that I throw out there if I'm just using random examples, but you've probably noticed, several of you Arkansas fans have, I always throw Arkansas in there. It's not by accident. I've been in communication with them for a while about this. Some, some people in the know behind the scenes there about what their plans are for name, image, and likeness. You see, everyone's got their angle on this, and everyone's hurrying to get their approach out public and their hype video and their plan, and let's get it out there so that people can talk about it like we're doing right now. You get us to talk about it by putting us in your hype video, plain as day. But people are going to have different approaches, and people are going to emphasize different things. When I've been talking about Arkansas, it's because I thought they had an approach that was going to be fairly unique unto anyone else. And sure enough, we saw their release today. You can see it in its entirety on the school's website. But we saw their release, and there was something in that little 30-second clip that Jesse just played. That wasn't the whole video, but that 30-second clip. They were the names J.B. Hunt, Tyson, Walmart, Pepsi. You guys have probably heard of a few of those companies. Walmart, they probably have one or two in your state. Uh, that's the first that you've seen of that, isn't it? You've seen a lot of these releases. That's the first you've seen of direct inclusion of major brands. So far, the approach from many programs that I also think have done a good job is focused on the brand building itself. And using various platforms, Arkansas is using some of these too, to focus on building your brand. 
But thus far, that direct attribution in videos of saying, hey, Walmart, Tyson, J.B. Hunt, trucking company, for those unfamiliar, hopped many of their uh, intermodal containers in the past. We've got them on board. You know, that's why I kept mentioning Arkansas. See, a lot of people thought I was crazy. Because a lot of people think that it's all about the current tier one programs. The current big boys are just going to further distance themselves. Ohio State's going to be great with this. Yeah, Bama's going to be great with it. Yeah, they absolutely are. They're going to be great with anything because they're great at adapting and, and adjusting to the current climate. But I've told you about NIL, and I will continue to tell you, this is the start of the example that I have looked forward to with Arkansas. Arkansas is one of potentially a few programs that don't take down any tier one teams. But this is opening a door that's never been opened before for access potentially for maybe one program or maybe seven or eight new programs to ascend to tier one or tier two status. Don't focus on their current setting. Don't focus on current results. If you've got culture figured out, which they do at Arkansas, and if you've got future and vision figured out, there is not a ceiling right now on how far you can go. A lot of you are having trouble with this. You can't picture Arkansas being a serious contender because you haven't seen them be a serious contender in your lifetime. That's because that was in the world that existed five years ago. We're looking at the world five years down the road. It's going to be radically different. And having some of those names on board and having the people that I know are at the helm of this particular venture with Arkansas, it's a statement. It's a statement in many ways. Actually, I want to read a very, very brief portion of, ironically, the statement they put out today through their marketplace, no cap. It's an acronym. It's one of the uh, services they're using. We'll also be able to connect Arkansas student-athletes with businesses locally, regionally, nationwide, and globally to help maximize the student-athletes' potential partnerships. I'm being recruited by Arkansas. All I heard was, you can help me partner with some of those brands that you just flashed right before my eyes. That's a lot of potential. It's a lot of potential. So think about the resources. Moving forward, Arkansas and otherwise, think about the resources that certain programs have at their disposal. This could be a serious breath of life for programs like, let's say, Stanford on the West Coast, depending on how committed they are. Stanford has got half a dozen of the biggest tech companies on planet Earth right in their backyard, and all those grads from Stanford work there. Who's to say that they don't get their teeth into that portion of this the way that Arkansas is doing with the resources they have in their backyard? Listen, I know at the end of the day, It's hard to connect all this. Don't worry about it. If you're an Arkansas fan, if you're in Fort Smith right now and you're listening to this, you don't have to know what all these acronyms mean. You're not running the program. It doesn't matter. What you have to know is today, Arkansas took a giant step closer to being able to contend in major college football than they were yesterday, given what the existence had been. This is what it will be, not so much what it has been. People's expectations are going to be built based on what it has been. Your expectations and future perception of reality needs to be built on what it could be. And what it could be at Arkansas is something really special. So that's what I wanted to close with tonight. Really good show. Happy we were able to get it off the ground and running. Thank you so much for sticking around. Remember, like the video. It helps us greatly. Subscribing to the channel, the five-star reviews and the podcast, all those things keep our show free for you. And so as long as we can do it... That's going to be ultimately determined by as long as you let us do it. Thank you so much. Remember, at Late Kick Josh, Instagram and Twitter for Director Emeritus Colin, Jesse, and the entire crew pulling off miracles all over the place tonight to get us on the air. I just sat here and talked. And thank you so much for sitting there and listening. Have a great rest of your week, and God bless.